Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Womanhood and International Relations Podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Bonilla, and for today's episode, we will be reviewing the Squid Games. I have to admit, I was not planning on watching this TV series um, at all. <laughs> like, I watched the trailer and I was like, ah, another bloody terror horror TV series, like... I'm, I'm done, you know? Um, some of you that work on these heavy topics on, you know, conflict and different issues on inequality and more and violence may relate to this feeling of why would I watch, you know, people killing each other on a TV series when, you know, that's part of my day-to-day -day job, you know? Like, I don't want to expose myself to that kind of, you know, content when you're on a free time you know like you want to chill out relax you know focus on other trivial things not actually sit down and you know binge watch a tv show of people killing each other like that doesn't make sense and i don't know if it's something that has to do with age <laughs> that at this point in my life i'm like i'm done you know i'm tired of watching violence and Um, anyway, my mom was the one that watched it first on the first day and she started chiming on me like, Natalia, you need to see it, you need to see it, you're gonna love it. And I'm like, no, I saw the trailer, I don't, I don't like it. And she's like, no, you need to watch it. I'm like, yeah, but it's bloody, I don't want to watch this. And she's like, yeah, it is bloody, but it has a psychological game. I'm telling you, you need to spend, you know, half the time to watch it. And I was like, eh, okay. Then my friends watched it and then the peer pressure continued and it started growing. And I started making other questions like, is it, you know, senseless killing? Is it, you know, purposeful? Does it teach you something? And they're like, no, you're going to learn so much. Watch it. So I did. I succumbed to the peer pressure. I have to admit it. And I was caught by a surprise, a very big surprise. Like I could not stop watching it. It was so mind blowing. And today I want to make a review for everybody that already watched it and perhaps wants to learn more about the different topics that the series explores. And also for those of you that do not want to watch it, but still want to know like, what's the big lesson behind all of this, this is the type of episode for you. If you're one of the persons that do not like spoilers, that are planning to watch the Squid Games, or that do not really care about this type of content, then I invite you to pause this episode and, you know, looking forward to hearing you and, and commenting with you on the next ones. But this is a spoiler alert, okay? <laughs> We're gonna talk about scenes. So if you're not into spoilers, this episode will have a bunch of them. So please stop at this point. Okay. For those of you that are already here, Thank you for staying put. Um, I try to organize this review 
I'm gonna do it in a one part, not not gonna add the gender dimension because I, it's gonna be included in the lesson, so it's just gonna be a full episode. And I want to start by asking you, what is your own perception of rules? Anarchy, freedom, society's norms and the way we should behave in a social order. What's our role? These are big questions that from the get-go I want to invite you to explore because this full series touches on so many topics and for some of you that likes South Korean um, films and TV shows probably know that one of the big ones that was celebrated even with an Oscar win was Parasite I think one or two years ago and I recently watched Parasite and I was like oh my god this is so intense to look at all the different inequalities and symbology symbolisms <laughs> of you know what's going on in South Korea with the class divide and the economic status and you know a sort of case system although it is not case but it feels like it when you start watching these movies and if you watch Parasite probably you will find parallels in the Squid Games because one of the reasons why the Squid Games were created as a concept is to offer the opportunity for people from different classes to actually play on an equal ground. And that's, I think, the first invitation of this TV show, which is what are the conditions that lead people to engage in this type of activity? And then we start from the get-go knowing and learning about the reasons why different characters may be drawn into seeing this as the option. And from, you know, people that owe a lot of money to gangs and mafia to people that need money to, you know, go and save their families or to feed themselves to help pay for medical insurance. Others need the money for, you know, like paying gamble um, bets and different types of needs. And it is, it is very interesting because I, what I loved about this TV series is that it didn't demonize money. And in some cultures, at least in the Latin America and Caribbean region, I cannot speak from what's happening on other sides of the world, but in Latin American cultures, and also due to the impact of capitalism, but also Catholic religion, having money is a problem. 
you know, people with money are seen, you know, as greedy or as dirty or, you know, seen in a bad light, which in a sense for the elites, it works for them, you know, because, you know, people stay poor, hating people that have a lot of money and the people that have a lot of money continue employing the poor. So, I mean, it's a cycle that you cannot, I mean, it's the perfect storm, what I'm trying to say. But I don't know in other parts of the world and seeing it in the case of South Korea, it was interesting because money was not demonized. It wasn't even glorified, which could be the other spectrum of, you know, like people wanting money just for the sake of it. People were actually needing money for something, not just because they wanted to be millionaires and, you know, be famous or, you know, like have a lot of dollars in the bank. No, they, the, the characters, at least the main ones, needed money for something. So, so, so they understood that money was a transaction in order to have a better life, in order to buy a house, in order to pay for their children's education, for food, for whatever, you know, like for paying debts, for, you know, buying their kids better, um, how is it, um, gifts and, and more stuff, etc. So... This whole conversation on money was very interesting to see because oftentimes we are preconditioned, once again, from this part of the world to demonize it and demonize people that want money too. Ambition is bad. Ambition, you know, makes you a bad person. You should stay the way that you are. And if you're a woman, more, you know, because women are not supposed to want money. It's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so having that first conversation on money and the reasons why people engage in these type of games is connected to unequal power relations and in an intersectional way. While Parasite, for example showed class and race here we don't see much race but we do see class ethnicity we see um gender slang migratory status you know like other you know um elements of intersectionality that play a part in people's perception of each other as players. What the Squid Games proposes is that under a set of rules of these games, people have a fair shot of winning. No life is better than the other and anybody can die or be killed if they don't follow the rules. One could start asking how desperate does people need to be (laughs) in order to fall into these games? And I wonder how desperate 
are we that we are falling in perhaps other types of games in our societies that are not called like this? One quote that I really like about the first two or three episodes was that life outside was so troublesome for these people than inside the games. And I started understanding and reflecting upon it and it's like, of course, because the games have many items that we don't perceive in the real life. You have very simple and clear rules on how to win and how to lose. You have people that are observing your every move. You have a master, whatever it means, the Inho character, I don't know the name, um, you know, that is observing that everybody is treated equally and that justice is taking place. In the outside world, do we have that? You know, like, it's often, you know, reflected upon, you know, like how urban cities sometimes are mimicking the jungle, you know, because you're always hustling and you always have to be careful because someone will stab you in the back or will eat you alive, you know, the strongest will survive and the weakest link will die, you know, like those type of dynamics kind of could have played in the games, in the squid games, but they were easily banished. And I think the first episode, which is the most brutal one in terms of killing and and massive killing, showed that it didn't matter where you belong, how much money, how many titles, education, accents, ethnicity, etc. you had. If you were not following the rules, if you were trying to find shortcuts, there was no asking for forgiveness, there was no asking for, please let me explain why I did it, have pity, compassion on me. No, it was very fulminating, like eliminating each other. Very violent, yes, but it reminded me as well, like how many of us have played games where we're killing people? Like, I am not doing that, but I know people that you know, love Fortnite and love these militaristic kind of games and are hot about, you know, killing each other and, and you know, in, in video games. And they buy loads of these video games to try to squash each other and even they have like, how is it, Sim- simultaneous connection to other players in other parts of the world. and you know, trying to find alliances and, you know, killing characters on on the video. Is it too far f- from our experience? Oh yeah, right. It is far because Squid Games, these are real people. <laughs> it, is it less or is it more or is it different? Is it the same? does the values of violence and militaristic culture 
continue regardless of the format, continue regardless of the presence or the digital world with this canceling culture and nobody wants to hear you and, you know, like, I'm going to turn off XYZ and I'm going to hack your account and forget about, you know, trying to make it in whichever industry that you're in, you know, like, this is so much violence, even on the digital world harassment, discrimination, you know, death threats even. Are, are we having clear rules in our society to follow? And are these rules just, equal, fair? Yeah, Natalia, we have laws. <laughs> Great. Are they being enforced? <laughs> who are they benefiting? And who are they not benefiting? Oh, do we even care who's not benefiting it? Because as long as we are being, you know, um, benefiting from this law, then we don't care those that are left out because, well, something's got to give. Other people need to fight for their rights. I'm going to fight for mine. <laughs> oh, we have norms and traditions and cultural understandings and silence treatments. And, you know, if people, you know, don't follow the rules of heteronormative or heteronormativity or if they, you know, become pregnant before wedlock, if they, um, you know, decide to travel the world or, you know, be completely free or instead of studying, you know, um, doctor or lawyer, that person decides to be a painter, then that person is gonna earn less because lawyers and doctors should earn more. Not people that lo love to paint, dance. Why, <laughs> you know? And if you want to sing and become a singer and you wanna be successful, then you have to follow other rules, like take your clothes off if you're a pop star. If you want to become super well-known, then you need to show skin and be youthful and show yourself in a specific way. I'm not sure we are very clear about the rules we need to follow because there are many elements and industries that we are part of. We have our family, we have our community, we have our country, we have ethnicity, we have religion. Wherever we go, there are rules to follow. Not necessarily those that seem to uphold those rules are fair. And if we question those rules because we don't think that they are fair, we get shunned, we get condemned, we get the scarlet letter or even tossed into prison for speaking up, for daring to question the law, for trying to you know, change things. But then that doesn't happen in the Squid Games. 
and it's quite refreshing in spite of all the gruesome and horrible things that we see there because there were a lot of things it's knowing three simple rules instead of trying to complicate our lives it's like if you want this money you want to become rich you have to follow the rules one thing that it was explained early, uh, how is it, later on in the um, TV series, was that people were, by signing voluntarily that they will join the Squid Games and returning voluntarily, that they were renouncing their bodies. Renouncing or, you know, like, giving their bodies away. That's the collateral damage. No one will save you. There will not be games where, you know, um, how is it? A, a bullet may go to your foot or your arm and someone will save you from that part. No, like, it's full elimination, just as this happens in video games. When we are playing video games, do we wonder, oh wait, is my character still alive? How many lives does he have left? No, it's like, ah, I lost. The same. I find that very interesting. The other aspect that I found dignified of a full conversation of, you know, like sitting down with each other and you know, exploring this deeper, what's the fact of human behavior? And this culture of violence that divides us versus them and the formation of groups and alliances is like, either you're with me or you're against me. That's very violent and militaristic way of approaching any situation. Then there's this concept of the ones I know I care about and I want to protect as long as my life is not on the line for protecting that person. If my life is going to be on the line for protecting anybody that I care about, then I wouldn't think too much about letting that person die. And as horrible as it sounds, it's very primal instinct. And in some cultures, at least in the West world, I, I can't speak for every culture in the world, but in the Western world, like there's a lot of fear of death. In urban cities, I'm not even speaking about indigenous peoples because I know some tribes that, you know, from early on in childhood stages they teach young ones that death is part of life is part of the circle of life but in urban cities some of our cultures are very ingrained into living to our fullest and trying to stay young forever and trying to rate one another in how good we maintain our youth 
and fearing of everything or everyone or whatever concept reminds us of death. We don't want to see death. We don't know what to do if someone dies or if someone is killed. And if someone is killed in other cultures in the Latin American region, cannot speak once again for every <laughs> region, but in some cultures in Latin America, death is, or killing people, is, how is it, uh, met with vengeance. People hold grudges, resentment, and will try to take justice on their hands if, if the system or the state structure or police or justice system does not do their work. So people will do eye for eye, you know, type of thing. So those that we don't know, when they are killed easily, is traumatic. Yes, but it's just a number more. And from a human behavior perspective and a psychological standpoint, it's very difficult to judge these characters when they are being subjected to a very flight or fight response of survival mode all the six days that they are in this experiment. I mean, it's easy to say like, ah, they're senseless or they should have care for each other. They should have, you know, like done X, Y, Z. Like after that first episode, who can judge people for trying to win and get out? Like, who? People process killings in very different ways. Some people want to flee. Some people, you know, don't know how they're feeling about it. They contain trauma. Like, trauma can somatize in the body in very different ways. And we see it with some of the main characters. Some even don't remember that other people got killed because they kept on going, you know, like, they were not wondering, oh, like, how many have died, you know, like. So this whole concept of surviving and greed that is easy to fall into that trap of judging, like, you know, they're trying to survive because they're greedy people, because they see the the pig with a lot of money, so they don't care about how many people will have to die as long as they get the pig. But do we even reason that when you are held in a confinement mode, subjected to this type of tortures <laughs> and torturing games, watching people getting killed if they stand outside of the line or if they don't follow the rules or if they're, if they're too slow, etc., that their only goal is to get the pig and get out. Later on 
in the final episodes, we have another topic which I find it interesting. The togetherness and trust. The less people that are leaving, you know, the, 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 the survivors, the, the, the final survivors, <laughs> I don't know the right names, the final survivors, then you start seeing other dynamics of trust and togetherness and asking people to form alliances, but even reaffirm over and over that we're going to stick together and you're my friend and we are going to survive this and I'm going to care for your family. And, you know, you start seeing other things <laughs> developing, including the changing of numbers per names. So everybody got a number when they got there. And as the show progresses, they start interchanging names. It's like, I, what's your name, you know? Since we got this far, I want to know who you are. Talk to me a bit about your life. So you start seeing from the first moment that the killing of a lot of people was senseless in a way or didn't have a lot of meaning for people because they didn't know them. But the more other challenges that they endure with the ones that are alive, they start humanizing each other and trying to understand what their, what, what their goals are, what their dreams are, what their motives are, even the bad ones, you know? You start seeing people wanting the other to make promises to them and, you know, these things that we didn't see in the beginning. Then we have the concept of play. We are all the same while we play. Are we? Even if we decide to use methods psychological warfare against the other or use some you know trust issues or things that they confided in us against them all is valid in love and war one phrase phrase that kept repeating was this thank you for playing with me seconds after the person seconds before the person got killed do we accept the fate that we are about to be eliminated because we didn't play good or fair in business or in life. One of the most heartbreaking scenes was, you know, with number one and number 496, which both represent the beginning and the end. 
in the beginning, the, the number one was an old guy, very old guy, and the 496 was the, it wasn't too young, but he was younger than the old guy, and um, they, they were creating a friendship, a weird friendship of trust and togetherness and and playfulness and at the end when the number one was about to be eliminated he said thank you for playing with me but prior to that he brought to light that if we win or if the other person win by cheating the other is that a fair play is it is it fair that one has to be eliminated because the other one cheated just to survive? Which we get it, you know? It's part of human nature, in a sense. When we are in front of danger, the ego will try to make everything possible for us to survive. But then at what cost? At the cost of losing friends? At the cost of killing 495 people in order for you to, you know, gain 445.6 billion won, which is the ultimate price, or as the, how is it, the conversion said, 38.6 million US dollars. Is that the price that you pay? If you receive that price after winning, will you be okay? Would you enjoy that money knowing that each million or thousands of ones meant the loss of one life? of people, some of them, that you cared about. How high is the cost of that price? And then we see it at the end that, you know, the winner, Seong Jing Hong, <laughs> sorry if I'm not expelling the name right, um, Seong Ji Hong, um, he didn't want to touch that money, like he felt undeserving of that money. It's like he didn't want it. It was too painful to want that money. He was still living traumatized and who can judge that trauma? <laughs> you know, he's like, whoa. There are other dynamics that we see along the TV show. One of them has to do with human trafficking, or sorry, uh, organ trafficking, um, illegal organ trafficking. I think that's the name of the crime, where you know everybody that dies gets cremated in these gift boxes, which I found, you know, the symbolism very jarring, but some of these persons got out of 
the um, cremation line and some of the um, people that were working there um, took some organs out like hearts or kidneys or whatever in order to make more money and one could wonder why and when the master observer the one that's leading the games um, in Hull, <laughs> the guy behind the main mask, um, discovered this crime or, you know, this breaking the rules, he said something that I found very cool, which was, you know, you are staining or, you know, damaging the pureness of this ideology. I mean, he didn't care that they were trafficking the organs. He cared more that he, they didn't give people the chance to have an equal ground, an equal bury or cremation or system, you know? And then when we talk about ideology and, and him recognizing that it was an ideology and the space was contained in an island very far away from South Korea, so that way, you know, like the authorities would not know what happens there. <laughs> Make me wonder how many other, you know, far away places are having weird stuff going on that we don't know about, you know, because who wants to put the cascabel al gato, as we say in Spanish, like who wants to put the bell on the cat? Who tries and is adventurous enough to face that danger? But the fact that they refer to it as an ideology and that they were testing it out and previous times it was successful, brought into consideration the, the purge concept some of you that have known the Purge movies, these are like a lot, <laughs> a lot of movies already <laughs> of the same concept, which is like for 364 days, you know, there's no violence committed in the United States, but then there's the last day, the 365 day, where government shuts down, police shuts down, emergency services shut down, and people are allowed to purge, to get out their primal instincts, and if they want to kill each other, rob each other, whatever, for 24 hours, they can do so without any problem, you know, like with total impunity. I watched like two, three of those movies, I, I did not watch every movie of the version, only the first two or three. And the first was very in groundbreaking, the concept. The second and third one were, eh, you know, a bit of repetitive. And that's something that I don't like about horror movies is that they keep on, you know, exaggerating the rawness <laughs> and making it more and more and more cruel and at this point and age as i said at the beginning <laughs> i have very little tolerance to more of that at least in the entertainment industry like you know daily work 
one has to um, one sees a lot of stuff but it's happening in real life and the purge brought this concept of I think it was the second or third movie I'm not giving it a spoiler <laughs> you have not watched it don't worry not gonna give it a spoiler um, but in the second or third movie it was brought to light that there were some people white people wealthy people that were having auctions to kill less fortunate middle poor class migrants people as part of the purge so how can you make every ideology to cater to the needs of the wealthy the white the, the colonizers and we see those unequal power relationships also playing in the squid games where the investors some of them were british others were american all of them white men were playing and you know how is it called into the last two or three games to watch them play and bet on people just to entertain themselves and they were watching you know like on a very luxurious room you know drinking their champagne and wine and all that and then you had this um you know Kore korean or south korean um waiters and one of them was the police which is another topic but um it's interesting how they treat the waiters with you know this arrogance like you need to cater to my wishes and if you you know satisfy me then you're gonna be a lucky guy because you need to fulfill my own desires and it's like all this entitlement then i started wondering are we so far from this reality because it's easy to watch it on netflix and and you know call the squid games oh my god that's the best show etc but are we watching this and seeing parallels in our life? Oh no, Natalia, but I want to watch because I just want to entertain myself. Great, but are we following, following that trend that we are watching on this TV show? Which is, we are eating popcorn, watching this TV show of people killing each other, and we are not feeling anything. We're just enjoying it and then passing the chapter and then the next day i go do something else as if nothing happened do we know the extent of repercussions or consequences that watching this type of content has on our psyche that we become less sensitive or you know like ah uh, well they kill someone on the street or, you know, in our neighborhood. Oh, poor that person. But I've seen worse. <laughs> I've seen worse. You know, like that we started losing compassion, that we become so psychic numb, something that we explained in um, one of our previous episodes on the arithmetic of compassion. I invite you to check it out. We have a uh, feature down below in the description box on how psychologists look at our behavior 
And why we become so desensitized? Sen sensitive? <laughs> when violence strikes right at home. I'm not sure, and even I don't know the answer in my own experience to the extent of these unequal power relationships. I mostly see in my case in the career world, you know, when we are talking about international relations and, you know, coming from Puerto Rico, I know all the different challenges that I face because I'm not a white woman. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not even a top American citizen because Puerto Ricans are, you know, very discriminated against as American citizens. So I know my fair share of discrimination in the career world. Even in Mexico, I got so much discrimination for being a Puerto Rican girl from high institutions because I was not Mexican. So if these are educated centers and think tanks and universities and top, top, top place. <laughs> and they're looking down at people based on their ethnicity or on their accent or on where they've come from or whether or not they have the means to pay for education or in, you know, the means to you know, work under certain conditions, etc. What's, what's, what's the rest? What can we see in other instances I don't see the squid games as a horrible TV show that you know loves to play with death and killing people and a lot of blood and no <laughs> I don't that's not my perception of it the first episode was horrible for me to watch i have to admit it i i didn't know if i wanted to continue and this tv show is probably not for everybody but watching it makes you question your own society the society that you live in or that you came from all the different dynamics that you exercise in your own personal professional relationships do you have friendships that you know they you care about a lot a lot a lot but then the moment that they do something against you then you know ah, i don't care what happens to her i don't care what happens to him you know if he wants to go down that route f him or f her whatever what value we give life do we have dynamics where the life of others of our parents of our friends of our partners of our family members etc are more valuable than our own or vice versa like we don't care if we die we are willingly going to a societal societal uh, route or are we the other route? Like, I don't care who dies, I need to survive. You know, they're not gonna be here forever, so I might as well just look for my own sake. Do we know who we are? 
and what we stand for and what are the different games that we are accepting and what we are playing for do we know the end game of choosing one path over the other are we seeking to have a justice type of figure you know like this masked guy <laughs> i don't know the name inho um this guy that looks over us and you know doesn't allow anything bad to happen to us are we always looking for that paternal figure to take care of us or are we taking justice by our hands like this uh, gang dude that you know he was playing by his own rules and the other you know the the, the minions <laughs> i don't know the names but the minions allow him to do barbaric things because that's also the nature of the game the players can do whatever they want in order to win because this is the ultimate goal even if that means you know using threats or you know like challenging the other or you know the weakest versus the strongest look but even there you you find people cheat so so the whole concept of honesty of truth of trust kept repeating over and over even to the bare end where the old guy and Seung Ji-hoon um, met and, and the old guy was already in the bath, deathbed and he was um, learning that he didn't die on the games and he was still asking for truth, for honesty. Are we prepared to be honest with one another or are we always carrying masks? and seeing each other with numbers because it's less hurtful than by recognizing each other's names. I don't know. You know, it really put me to reflect upon my own relationships. I don't have perfect relationships or friendships or central. Like I have a lot of problems like everybody. Um, but it really made me think about this part, like, How are we relating? And is life a game itself? Is our lives at play? Are we playing with other people's lives? Do we even, do we even care about our own enough not to sacrifice for money, for love, for for status, for whatever, I don't know. So anyway, um, that's it for today. <laughs> um, phew, it was very, um, I don't know, I, I carried away. I hope that you arrived to this end with some reflections. Please do share with us on our Instagram account at womanhood underscore IR. I also remind you that we already have a crowdfunding campaign for our first podcast journal called Feminist Self World. I invite you to join, support, share it among your networks. We are very, very excited for this new journal to come to light. So please be sure to pre-order yours and share it among 
anybody that you think will be interested in this journey of self-deconstruction. Anyway, I hope that you liked this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Talk to you soon.